know about this thing. Is it too loud? I kept trying to talk while ago, and I was everybody was hearing me. I'm not used to it being quite that loud. Well, my husband has listened to this several times, and he thinks it's good, so I hope you all do. (laughs) My sermon is about having an intimate, sweet relationship with God. Even though that seems possible, impossible, I'm here to tell you that's what God wants. Maturity is a process, and it comes as we pursue spiritual understanding of who God is and what his character is. And you have to become and remain excited about growing and learning more about your faith in Jesus Christ. So you're on a journey. It's a journey called life. And you're on a physical journey and you're on a spiritual journey. You went from a tiny baby to grade school to teen to young adult to middle age latter age everyone here is in one of those stages where are you every season of life brings rich things when you are young time goes so slowly but when you get to be my age it's like a fast moving train When you're a young adult, you're busy with children. I always think of Tatum. I know she goes 100 miles an hour all day long. She has children and husband and running her home and her job. But then comes middle age, and you you become a grandparent. How about that? That's a lot better season than where you've been. One day, you wake up and look in the mirror, and you become a latter-age adult. How did that happen? Jerry and I don't say we're old yet. I don't think we ever will. But we're the latter age. You know, at, at our age, we're filled with wisdom. But the only problem is... People don't want our wisdom because they want to get their own. But every season is different. Every season of life is different. Did you have to do anything to grow from a baby to an adult? Did you? No. God made you to grow and change. So today I want to talk to you about growing spiritually. 
Do you know anyone who got born again and their life doesn't change, their lifestyle didn't change at all? There are thousands that do this. But God said for us to be disciples of him. Does that come automatically like growing up physically? Absolutely not. How many of you know this Bible is like no other book? You know why? It's alive. It's impossible to read it and read it and read it and not get anything out of it. It goes into you like food goes into you in the natural. And you may not know it while you're at it, but you'll find it one day when you need whatever it was. So if you become a Christian and don't read it, you'll be considered immature, spiritually immature. Not all people want to grow spiritually. But God wants you to, and that should be reason enough for you to do it. The pace you grow up spiritually is up to you. Well, so if I read my Bible, does that make me spiritually mature? No. It's only part. But to find out about God and his plan for us, you're going to have to read it. The Bible is all about God, and it will help you live your Christian life. But to read about someone is not the same as a one-on-one -on -one relationship. There's a huge difference between knowing God and knowing about God. To know about God is to have head knowledge, to believe that he exists and draw conclusions about his nature. To know about God is to have an understanding of God and the way that he works. About his commandments he's given us to live and the plan he's implemented for us to have eternal life. But to actually know God is something very, very different. It is to have a heart relationship with God. To experience his presence, to hear his voice daily, as he guides you into right paths and right decisions. It's to have a deep assurance that you are locked into a relationship that cannot be severed. A relationship that gives you confidence that God's love is there and his presence is always with you. You may know a lot about a person. You may know their name, their age even. I doubt if you know their weight. That's something women don't tell. Um, the color of eyes, their occupation, uh, maybe what church they go to. You know some of their historical background. But if you only know the basic facts and figures about someone, you don't really know them. To know a person is to know what makes him laugh and what makes him cry. It's to share experiences with him privately and personally. It's talking 
and listening to God and exchanging confidences and struggles and areas of your life. Well, we cannot, of course, really truly know God, but we can know him better every single day and deeper, like the song we just sang, Go Deeper with God. Philippians 3, 10, 11 says, and I don't know if their scriptures will go with mine because some of them are New Living that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. We are to hear, bear, I'm sorry, bear the identity of the Holy Spirit. He's supposed to be working in us all the time, and we're supposed to be able to see it. Marie was talking about anger a while ago. Well, that's not one of them. He's working love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And that's what we should see. God's word challenges us to, to grow spiritually, and growth is not an option or just a nice idea. 2 Peter 3, 17 you, beloved, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the air of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Growing up spiritually is supposed to be the norm for us. Well, you say, how does that work? The most priority you can possibly do is spend time with God every day. Sometimes you may pray, sometimes you may listen, sometimes you may um, read scripture, sometimes you just sit in his presence. You cannot spend time with God and not be changed. You may not know it, but you got changed every time you spent time with him. And as time goes along, you'll find that you are developing a relationship with him. The first thing, well, after I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, uh, I was saved when I was 10. But when I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, wow, that was a whole new thing. I, I couldn't get enough. I wanted all of it right now. And it just doesn't work that way. I wanted to know all about God, all about um, Jesus, and all about the Holy Spirit. I was very hungry, and you know what? I still am. So the first thing I did was I began to read the Word. I know I'd been a Christian all these years. But um, I really didn't know the Bible, didn't know much of the Word. I, I knew what I heard at church. I memorized scriptures that pertained to me and my walk, and I put them everywhere, even on the dashboard as I was driving. I was consuming the Word, and these scriptures came alive to me. The Bible says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. So how do we draw near to God? Whether you know it or not, we're supposed to seek God. 
when I had many, many encounters and I was taken into the heavenlies. I had no idea that you could get that close to God. But one day he just said, take my hand, and we went. And that's another whole story. If you were in my glory class, you know what I'm talking about. God wants a relationship. He wants a personal relationship with every one of us. So when you pray, ask the Holy Spirit to compel you to seek God. He will be glad to oblige you. So when you get a desire to draw close, it creates a desire to read and to hear and to do the word. You get a desire to go to church, a desire to listen to Christian messages. You want to read or listen to the Bible or other Christian books. You know, my library at home is crammed, jammed full, and I have the rest of them all upstairs. I love Christian books, but they are not this. And these new desires and you practicing them will cause you to turn from the former things that took all your focus to the things of God. You start to see that some of your past beliefs maybe were hindering you, and you began to exchange those former things for the things of God. And this changes your nature inside and out. It changes us so much so that we don't even look like the person we were. I can vouch for that. I've already told you that. that and I got the baptism and went back to <clears throat> my office, which was the post office. I changed the radio to Christian music, and I had scriptures all over the place. I was a boss, and I could do that. Um, and they all wanted to know what happened to me. And I hope, I hope I'm still looking like Jesus. We can be transformed just by the teachings of Jesus. When we download God's precepts and principles into our minds, then it'll go into our heart and we'll be forever changed. Now we're ready to learn about God's promises. You know, I've heard all different kinds of numbers about how many there are. But there are from 3,000 to 7,000 promises to you and me in the Bible. Now, surely there's something for every single one if you just find one. And he, he always fulfills his promises. The Bible has everything you will ever need. Did you know there's a blessing attached to you every time you open it and read it. And the longer you stay in God's word, the more it opens your mind. And you'll, you'll begin to see God is good. Wonderfully good. Always good. And reading the Bible will give you knowledge and understanding and insight. 
it shows us the way that we, we can be cheerful and content and deeply satisfied. His word will now begin to make sense out of things that just baffled you before. You know, I remember I started in the Old Testament, and I just thought, I, this is just like Greek. I, you know, I, so I finally got in the New Testament, and things began to make sense. So if you haven't been in the Word, I would suggest you start in the New Testament. 2 Timothy three fourteen to 15. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And Proverbs 3, 13, and 14 says, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding, for the gain from her is better than the gain from silver and yields better returns than gold. Remember, the Bible is the only book on earth that's alive. It penetrates your very being. It is eternally priceless. How many of you have five Bibles or more in your house? Me too. God will speak to us personally when we read his word. That way you can begin to know his voice and you can respond to him. Now, I, I didn't put this in my other notes, but that's the time when you journal. And, and if you don't know, you know, if it's God, ask him a specific question, write it out, and then begin to write out the answer. I'm just amazed at what he tells me. I mean, I'll, I'll start out with two words, and then I get a word as I go. And then you've got your journal for years and years and years. I have them from 1984 stacked up in my basement. And you know, the first one I ever did was probably the most precious because I knew I heard God. I was just, I was overwhelmed. I mean, I took what I wrote down, and I took it to someone. I said, you know, did I just make this up? That's what, that's what a lot of you think when you journal. You think you're making it up. But you just keep on doing it, and then go back and read it, and you'll see God was talking to you. So I just read uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. So as I read that, I did this at home, the Lord said, the more you trust me and, your, and not your knowledge, the more I'll do for you. This positions you to receive. So look to me first, and I will provide the answer. How many of you go to the Bible after you've tried a few other things? John 10, 27. Jesus is talking. And he said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me, and I'll answer you. 
and I'll show you great things you did not know. And I use that scripture in my devotion and prayer time. And when you call out to God like that, don't be surprised if he doesn't come. God's word is God breathed. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scriptures inspired by God, it's useful to teach us what's true and make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. Jesus is the only one that can impart wisdom, his wisdom to us. So when we read and study God's word, we find out He's truly and always good. The Bible's completely unique. It stands out in any amount of books. We learn that God is unchangeable, so whatever he says in his word, he definitely will do. The book speaks to us over 2,000 years after Jesus went to the cross. So I hope you can see that if you want to draw closer to God, you're going to need to read and study it and hear his word. If you never make an effort to reach out to God, you'll never know that you can trust him with every single thing in your life. You know, used to, I, I, I used to have the idea that he only needed to help me in crisis situations. That absolutely is not true. He wants to be every day involved in your life. God gives us the power to get well, to help us bear fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And he equips us to do good things. God gives us wisdom, counsel, protection, and direction right here and there. Psalm 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and I'll teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. He helps us to spend our life on things of eternal value. He helps us get our focus back on him when the world steps in. Do you ever have the world step in? But you have to ask for help. That's called praying. It involves talking and listening and communing with God. It ushers us into his presence. It comes from a deep-seated need of assurance that he's listening, and we are not alone. Prayer is our connection with God. And if you don't know how to pray, you can begin by just, just find some scriptures and pray them back to God. And pretty soon you will realize you can talk to when we pray, we're sharing the depths of our spirit to his spirit. When you read or listen to the word, don't be looking for a quick fix. I used to do that. I used to say, okay, God, I'm opening this Bible, and, and wherever it lands, I know you've got something for me. That's looking for a quick fix. You need to enjoy the word. When you rush into it, did you ever get in devotion and you think, I've got to do my devotion before I go to work, and blah, 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 and you can't remember anything that you read, or even if they talk, you don't remember anything they said. 
So it doesn't do any good to go through the motions of reading or listening if you don't absorb it. So after you read verses or several verses, stop and ponder what you read. As you think on verses, God will give you revelation of what they mean. And walk with God daily. What really does that mean? Well, walk is really considered your lifestyle. So walking with God is putting his word into action. <clears throat> when we do this, we obey his commands and we're following his example. 1 John 2, 6 says, The one who says he abides in him ought also to walk in the same manner as he walked. And this will bring you unwavering faith. And here's another key to drawing close. Don't just know the word, but speak it out of your mouth. You got to say it out loud. Lost my place. <clears throat> God is a supernatural God. And so this is a supernatural book. In here is the power to heal your body, heal your marriage, mend broken relationships, even bring you financial favor. We believe and we speak, and then that releases the power of God. If you just have, you just go around with it in your mind, that's good. That's another thing that's good. But when you say it out loud, you know, I have scriptures that I do uh, every day, and I just quote these scriptures, and I, I know them by heart, you know, by now, and so I don't even have to look at it. Um, but I'm, I'm giving the word back to God. I'm agreeing with what he said. And uh, it's really prophesying his word into your life. And don't do it once. Do it continually. That'll get your expectors up, especially if you have some promises you're believing in for, <clears throat> and you'll begin looking for those promises to happen. You know, we are what we think, and we are what we say. And you always have a choice about what you say and think, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. You have a choice. And now if your lifestyle is full of works and obligation and self-importance, there's little time or desire to spend with God. If we don't take time for God, then in time our desires just change and we lose interest in the things of God. Do you give the best to things that have no lasting value? Materialism and being super busy interferes with all relationships. Worldly taskmasters eventually become our gods because we give them our strength and our devotion. For example, you know, there are people that I, I've got this job and I, I'm, you know, maybe they don't even need the income, but they are hooked into that job and they're going to go. Period. Satan targets people, especially Christians, when they try to obey God. 
plant weeds in our garden. Mark 4, 18 and 19 says, And others are the ones on whom seed is sown among the thorns, and these are the ones who've heard the word. But the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. God is looking for thankfulness and faithfulness. I just want to mention fasting because it's definitely a way to draw close. How many of you fasted before? Is it easy? I did not find it easy. I guess I like to eat too well. I found it to be about the hardest thing I ever tried to do. So Shelly and Jerry and I went and tell this I'm going to. And we decided, this is right after we all got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And so we decided we'd fast for 10 days. We could have started one day, but, you know, we were going to fast 10 days. And <clears throat> I found some broth-like stuff you could heat the water and pour over this and man it it was absolutely scrumptious after like the second day um i have to tell you we failed we we were about to day six and we went to oklahoma city to watch our granddaughter play ball and they had popcorn, you know, the smell was coming from it. People were eating hot dogs around there. And I, thought, and I, I said, Shelly, when we get home, we're going to have chicken noodle soup. <laughs> we did. We had the whole can, I think probably two cans. Um, and then we really felt bad, you know. But I want to tell you, when you fast, you've got to, you got to spend time with God. And we were really busy. I don't think we, and we, yeah, we had time with prayer and reading the word. But we didn't spend, you know, fasting is so you have more time to spend with God, not less. But if, you know, you've never fasted, you might try one meal. Because I think we could all do one meal. And work up from there. But, you know, if you ask the Holy Spirit, you know, if, if he's working on you to fast, well, ask him uh, what to fast and how to do it. And if you do that, start out with him leading you, you'll have a lot better fast than we will. Uh, fasting causes you to lose the distractions of food. Well, you don't have to cook, and so that's why we had to get Jerry to go, too, because we didn't want to cook. Um but it'll bring clarity, clarity to you if you're trying to make a decision. And when we don't know what to do or how, fasting will help us focus on God and we'll find out what he thinks about it. None of us live a sinless life. That's why God said, repent of these things and ask him to forgive you. And that means changing your mind or actually stop doing whatever it was. But 
1 John 1, 9 says, If we repent of our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And God desires an intimate relationship with you more than you desire one with him. He's looking for you to turn to him and ask for help to live this Christian life. And he'll take care of the rest. Put this deep within your spirit. God is good. He's always good. There's no darkness. He wants you to enjoy every blessing that he's already put up for you. You know, did you ever look around at, at creation and see how marvelous it is? just what God has created in the sky and the, and the plants and the trees and the moon and the sun. And it, it's, it's really spectacular. But you know what we do? We look down at our mundane, dysfunctional life and our own endless problems and when we always look down we don't see the miracle of our own life or the fact the fact that God of the universe wants to make himself known to you now how awesome is that we, we take it for granted when I look at the complexity of this creation, I am amazed that anyone could say there is no God. He wants to make a difference in our everyday life. He wants to pour out blessings to keep us out of the mire that tries to envelop us. And almost every day, you'll have a chance to get in the mire. Friendship and relationship with Jesus takes time and effort. It's hard to imagine that mankind is given the incredible privilege of knowing God and walking with him in a place of intimacy and friendship while we're on this earthly journey. I'm going to summarize what I just told you. In case you want to take that to heart and do it. Number one was draw near to God. Number two, download God's precepts and principles in your mind. Number three, read the Bible. Number four, God will speak personally when we read it, and then you can journal and keep track of what he's saying. Five, God is unchangeable. Six, you have to ask for help. That's called prayer. Seven, don't be looking for a quick fix when you read. Eight, walk daily with God. Nine, speak the word aloud. Ten, when you speak out loud the promises, you are releasing the supernatural power of God. Number 11 is meditating the word. 
that will bring you revelation and understanding. Twelve, don't give your best to things of no lasting value. Thirteen, fast. fasting helps you focus on God. Fourteen is repent, change your mind, or quit doing what you were doing. And number fifteen, God wants this intimate relationship with you more than you. The Bible is full of scriptures on how to do all these things. You can't incorporate them all at once, believe me. You, you'll decide that's too much and you won't want to do any of them. But, you know, incorporate one or two and go from there. So I started my quest for knowing God in 1984. And here in 2018, I'm still pursuing it. You hold the keys to change your life. But the change is up to you. Let us pray. Father, I just, I just thank you for this message. I thank you that I have a personal relationship with you. I thank you that, that the people are hungry to know you, to understand you. I thank you for all those that have come today, God. And I just speak blessings upon them. I just release blessings to come and overflow in their lives. And, and I pray, Lord, that something I've said will, will impact them so much. They will begin to know you. Really, truly know you. In Jesus' name. Now, um, I, I've talked to God about how to end this. You know me, I always like to pray for people, but um, he said, um, you can do an impartation to release passion for God. So, you know, some of you have passion already. Maybe you want more. So, would you play something for me? Um, if you want that impartation a passion for his word then come up you can stand up and the rest of you are dismissed